0: Well, hey there. (laughs) Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we are here because of you. Because you directed us to be here, you moved us to be here, uh, you engineered the circumstances, whatever the reasons are, it's because of you. And we give because of you. We are alive because of you. And so as we open up your word this morning, we're asking for you to minister to us through it, for you to speak to us through it, and for you to make a difference in our lives through your word. Thank you that you're so able to do that, Lord. I just give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip. yeah yeah and after a good meal you know outside a a little wine maybe a little bit more wine a good uh, pipe bowl they finally laid down at night and went to sleep a number of hours later Sherlock Holmes awoke nudged his faithful friend Watson and said Watson look up and tell me what you see and Watson you know his eyes are he's he's rolls over he's looking up and he goes millions and millions of stars and what does that tell you watson started pondering well let's see he, okay it's got to be something not, no one holds it's got to be something interesting so he said astronomically it tells me there are millions of galaxies and perhaps billions of planets astrologically i observe that saturn is in leo He thought some more and he said, horologically, I deduce that it's approximately quarter past three in the morning. And then he thought some more and said, theologically, I can see that God is all powerful and that we are insignificant and small. And meteorologically, I think that tomorrow is going to be a beautiful day, or maybe that's actually today. Why? What does it tell you? And Holmes says, Watson, you idiot. Someone has stolen our tent. Today, today we are continuing our series on changes and we are looking at the lives of people from the Bible and saying, how, what can we learn from this life for our lives? And I want to start by saying that, you know, often we can get so caught up in the minutia of things that we miss the real event that's going on around us. Can you say amen to that? Yeah, obviously. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes we see things through a blind spot, a a stacoma is what it's actually called, and we miss what's really happening. Blind spots can be dangerous if they lead us to the wrong conclusions, right? So we're going to be looking at John chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1 today. If you've got your apps, apps, you can open them up and follow along. We'll also have the scripture on the the screen for you, or your Bibles if you happen to have one of those. Um, That would be great. John chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in assigning blame for things that we forget to look at where God is in the circumstances, in the situation. Here's the truth. The truth is your problems, your issues that you may be dealing with, may actually have little to do with you. It may not have a lot to do with you. I mean, no question they impact you. No question that they, they affect you. But no matter how big they seem to you, God may be doing something through your problems, through your issues, through your life, that is much bigger than you. And we're going to see that as we go forward with this. The Jews believed, and to kind of put this in context, the Jews believed that if there was sin, sickness, or illness, it must be God uh, demonstrating that you have been living wrong or that you were in sin or that you were sinful. They actually misunderstood God's character as a God of love, as the creator and the provider. As James said, that, that everything good, everything good comes from the Father of lights which means that God provides only good things and evil actually exists in his absence. So God didn't need to make the man blind. That was just a byproduct of being born into a world of sin. But God loves to impact those things and turn them into good and for his glory. If we believe and trust him to do that. Maybe ask this question that I want you to just think about for a minute. Are there things in your life that have put you at a significant disadvantage? Things that maybe actually have been there since birth or that have been there for a long time and they're impacting your life. Maybe you've actually just learned to live with them like this blind guy did. Maybe you wondered why they were part of your life to begin with, well, well, I wanna encourage you this morning to give them to Jesus and say, Lord, if you've got something else to do with this thing that has been part of my life for many years, or that has been a part of my life for whatever length of time it's been, I want to give you permission to move in it however you want to move in it. Because here's what I have seen with God. God changes us individually so we can testify for him. He changes us so we can testify, so we can be a witness for him. And so he loves to change us, so we end up lifting up his name. Now, we got to be honest here, because we have committed to be that way right here, is that we're going to be honest and authentic. So I know and you know that there are times that you have done things that have put you in deep doo-doo, right? There are times that you've done stuff that, that really what the consequences that you're dealing with are from your own poorly sown seeds. Can you say amen to that if you're truthful? yeah yeah i have too i'll say amen twice to that um but a great thing about jesus a great thing about jesus is that he is far more interested in providing solutions than on assigning blame did you hear that jesus is not the one that blames you he's the one that provides solutions for you and i that's why he went to the cross on our behalf so let your problems be used for god's glory That's what Jesus wants us to do, to say, Lord, every part of me, the good stuff, the stuff that I feel pretty good about, that's all yours, that you can get glory from it. The stuff that I don't feel good about, the stuff that I have messed up with, the stuff that that I really almost don't like to share with people, would you use that for your glory too? Can you use my problems for your glory as well? Now Jesus goes on in verse 4 to say this, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Question, is Jesus still the light of the world today? Good, we got a couple of amens there. The rest of you who don't know that, so let's try it again. Is Jesus the light of the world today? Amen. There he goes. Yeah, that works. That works. He is. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he still wants to bring the father glory because that's what he was about when he was on earth. And he said that I'm about giving my father glory. And he's still about that today. But he wants to engage us in the process. He wants to make us partners with him in that process. We have to choose to let him. Did you know that he does not? He doesn't twist our arm. He does not force us into it. He doesn't say, do this or else. He doesn't. He wants to be invited by you. And so we must allow him to bring the father glory through us. Verse six, it says, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground. That's the same as spit, by the way, and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of a blind man with the clay. Now, that's a weird picture, isn't it? Hey, I care about you. And now you're going to start mixing it up. I, I, it's, just, it's just an amazing thing to me. And then he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated Scent. Then he went and washed and came back seeing. Wow. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, just picture yourself being this blind guy. And here is this person, and, and, and he, he spits on the ground. You can hear him spit on the ground. And next thing you know, stuff's getting put on your eyes. And, and I, what are you thinking? I, I don't know what I'd be thinking. I'm not sure. I'd be going, well, what are you doing? What are you doing, really? Putting junk on my eyes. And then he says, now go wash in the pool of Siloam, and, and you're going to see. When God speaks, listen and obey when god speaks listen and obey sometimes god speaks and asks you and i to do things that seem weird that seem like are you kidding me you're asking me to do that that doesn't seem right that doesn't seem that this seems weird And god goes yeah you are and i'll use you however i can Right, and so he's just that. Well, I love that. I love that. Just listen and obey. Verse number eight. Therefore, the neighbors and those who had previously had seen that he was blind said, "Is not this he who sat and baked?" Some said, "This is he." Others said, "He is like him." He said, "I am he." <laughs> he wanted him to know, "It's me." He wanted to know, I'm the one. Friends, we we need to be willing to own our own testimony. Hmm, hmm. I, I know people who are so embarrassed about where Jesus saved them from, they don't say anything about it. You need to be willing to own your own testimony and say, wait a minute, no, that's me. I am the one that was and am today. I am that one. Verse 10, therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Did you know you don't have to know everything before sharing? You don't have to know everything before giving your testimony. Your testimony is your testimony. You don't have to know everything about Jesus. You don't have to understand the theology behind it. All you have to know is what you've experienced to be able to share what you've experienced. I was blind, but now I see. My, my guess is, I, I would guess that they asked him how he even knew it was Jesus, right? He was blind. So who was it who healed? I, I don't know who healed, who healed me. Uh, I, I, I don't know how it happened. I just can see. Well, uh, how did you know it was Jesus? I can imagine him saying, I'm blind, not deaf. You know, I'm sure somebody must have said something about the fact that this is who it is because he knew it was Jesus. So they take him to the religious authorities we see in verse 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) So interesting to me how we will let petty details obscure the real message. And sometimes in the church we can do that. I just want to tell you, you got to be cautious about this because sometimes in the church we can get all wrapped up about the petty little details about maybe what somebody is wearing or how they're looking or, or exactly what they smell like or, or whatever the situation is, but we're letting petty little details obscure the real message, the real situation, the real opportunity that we have to, be, to love someone, to see God in the details themselves we we'll go on others said how can a man who is a sinner do such signs and there was a division among them friends listen to me the message of salvation creates a division of opinion it just does because even when Jesus was alive and, peep and, and rose again from the dead, there were still those who didn't believe him. Even some who saw him again alive did not believe him. And so it creates this division of opinion. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. So in other words, they thought he was fooling. They thought he had made it up. And, 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 uh, and so here it says until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. Did you know that skeptics look for reasons not to believe? Yeah. And God's not intimidated by that. I love the fact that God's not intimidated by that. He doesn't mind people asking questions, but as skeptics, sometimes we can allow that to get in our own way because we are always looking for a reason not to believe instead of a reason to say, "God, where are you at in these circumstances? Show me that, please." Verse 7:19, 19, verse 19. And they asked them, saying, this is his parents. Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So they asked two questions in a row. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews for the Jews had already agreed or agreed already that if anyone confessed that he, that Jesus was the Christ, in other words, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the one who fulfilled all of the prophecies about the Messiah. If anyone confessed that, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Fear can keep us from rejoicing In God's blessings fear can I mean imagine this just put yourself in the place of these parents who have this baby boy and do not know that he is blind until he is born and now they're holding this baby who at birth was blind and they're, and they're looking at him realizing we're going to raise this child and it's not going to be like any other child. We're going to have to have all kinds of extra effort and energy. We are going to have to think about, so you, their entire life is consumed with how do they help this child grow and begin to engage in society and then find a way to actually support himself. And we know he was begging so that that's the way he was supporting himself. So whatever transpires, he's now an adult and now he comes and he was blind, but now he's seeing and the parents can't even reach Rejoice because they're so afraid of getting booted out of the synagogue. Listen, if the church is going to keep you from rejoicing about Jesus, leave it. Because he is more important than anybody, than any group of people. Because the real church knows who he is. He is their master. He is their Lord. He is the one that we follow because of who he is. Verse 24. So they called again, called the man who was blind. This is the Pharisees and said to him, Give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know I was blind, but now I can see. Great testimony focuses on what you know, on what you've experienced. That's great testimony. God changes us so we can testify for him. Verse 26, then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? Wow. Listen, clarifying questions often expose the true motive, don't they? So he said, do you want to become his disciple? And they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know where he's from. It's so funny to me how uh, when we're not certain of something, we'll tend to become condescending toward it tend to look down on it. I mean, what they're really saying is we know better than you. Who do you think you are? But they still can't explain it away. Verse 30, the man answered and said to them, watch this. Why? This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. It is amazing when we follow God, how God increases our understanding and boldness for those who believe in him. I have seen it again and again, where someone who doesn't know squat about the Bible, who doesn't have a great understanding theologically at all, suddenly begin to speak things that are obviously from the Holy Spirit, and they have wisdom, and they have conviction, and they have understanding that's way beyond them. And I look at that and go, man, yes, God changes us. Why? So we can testify for him. That's why he changes us. Verse number 34, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and you are teaching us and they cast him out. Don't know how to deal with the problem? Get rid of it. Wrong beliefs lead to wrong actions. Jesus, verse 35, heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said to him, do you believe In the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Truly believing in Jesus causes us to worship him. If we truly believe in Jesus, it causes us to worship Him. Now, I want to let you know something here. This is the most important thing of the entire story. It isn't the blind guy suddenly seeing. It's the blind guy seeing that Jesus is the Savior and worshiping Him. It's the blind guy believing in Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for Him and that He was God's Son, that He was the Messiah. That's the most important thing of it all. And when you know that, when you are certain of that, when that is is in your bones and in your heart, you know what, you cannot help but worship Him. You can't help it because you know what He's done for you. And you are amazed by Him. Which begs a question, if you have no desire to worship Jesus, if you have no desire to be about him, I wonder if you know him. I wonder if you're actually saved. Because see, I believe this with all of my heart, that if you know him, if you know what he has done for you, you cannot help but do what the blind guy did. You cannot help but say, I want to worship you. He fell at his feet to worship him. Lord, I believe. And he begins to worship him. Worship follows true belief. Friends, like night follows day. It's an automatic thing that happens to us. And if you've missed that, and and, and now don't, don't misread me here, please. There are seasons when I know I don't feel like jumping up and down and worshiping either, but I know who God is. But, but, Overall in my heart and in yours, if that is not there, can I encourage you to, to, to seek that? To say, Jesus, I guess I don't get it enough. Would you show me more? Would you make yourself more real to me so I can recognize who you are and can actually actually come to you and worship you for being the God that you are, my Lord and my Savior and my Maker. Now, Jesus goes on to say this. For judgment, I have come into this world that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Now, I want to stop there real quick a second because I wish they had translated this a little differently. You've got to understand the nuance a little bit of what was taking place here because it would would be easier for us to understand this if they had said, those who do not see may see and those who think they see may be made blind. Because what he's talking about are the Pharisees and those who think they know everything, who think they, 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 they actually see what's going on, but do not, okay? And that then some of the Pharisees, they picked up on the fact of what he was saying, who were with him, heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? In other words, are you really talking to us? And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. Wow. Wow. And in other words, you really don't see, but you think you see. And what you really are, he would call them uh, uh, later in another place in the Bible, are blind guides. You're acting like you're the guide to lead people to God, but you're blind yourself. You're not seeing what it is really about. What in the world is keeping them from seeing who Jesus was? Anybody got any ideas what was keeping them from seeing Jesus for who he was? Pride. Thank you. Aces. Right on. Pride is what kept them from seeing Jesus for who he really is. Wow. Wow. We have to lay down our pride if we're going to really see him for who he is. And as long as we are proud about who we are, As long as we think we got it made, we got it figured out, we're the ones who are dialed in, everybody else is is an idiot. As long as we're there, friends, i got to tell you something, we're blind. Pride blinds us. But when I say, God, I've got nothing going except for you. You're the one who's, you're the one who's washed away my sins. You're the one who has filled me with your spirit. You're the one who has given me opportunity to live again. It's you, it's you, it's you. And when we get that, then we don't have that kind of pride. The pride gets out of the way. Pride blocks understanding. And what this is telling us is that it actually increases guilt. Wow. Now, Having said that, I've gotta tell you what I, I personally love the most about this story is the simple and compelling testimony that this blind beggar gives. I was blind, but now I can see. You can't get much simpler than that, can you? Eight word, an eight word testimony that speaks volumes. I was blind, but now I can see. And for a lot of us, we can say I was something else, but now I am or now I can be something else. I love the fact that this eight word testimony was also his response to a whole lot of questions. Listen to this. How did he do that? I don't know. All I know is that I did what he told me, and I was blind, but now I can see. Don't you know that this man is a sinner? I don't know if he is or not. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. What what, what about being healed on the Sabbath? You shouldn't be healed on the Sabbath. That looks like work to me. I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. What do you think happened? They asked him. I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. (laughs) The wonderful thing about giving your testimony in such a simple way is that no one can disagree with it. It's your testimony. And, And they can say things, but I don't believe in Jesus. And your response can be what you believe doesn't change what happened to me. I was blind, but now I can see. And they can say, yeah, but I don't believe God is real. You know, what you believe doesn't change what happened to me. I was blind, but now I can see. But wait a minute, don't, don't give me that. I'm a Muslim, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Hindu, I'm a, I'm a Jehovah Witness, I'm, I'm somebody else who believes that you aren't right and I am right. You know what, what you believe doesn't change what happened to me. I was blind, but now I can see. Your testimony of what Jesus has done in your life is such a simple way to evangelize. All evangelizes means is sharing Christ with others. Evangelism can be as simple as sharing your simple testimony. And it is so powerful. God changes us so we can testify for him. That's what he wants us to be about. In Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10, John is writing about the end times that, that I personally believe we are right there. And here's what he says. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heaven. It has come at last salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. That's Satan. The one who accuses them before God day and night. So John is telling us very clearly, Satan is accusing us before God right now. He's accusing you before God right now. And he's telling God, I want to be able to have my way with, I want to be able to have my way with Rachel, with Jonathan. I want to have my way with Don. I want to have my way with, I want to have my way with Steve. I want to have my way with them. And he is, he's accusing you before God himself. And here's what it says then. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus has done for us. And by their testimony. Oh, Wow. This testimony thing is really important. It's one of the ways we defeat the accuser who's accusing us in the spiritual realm right now. God uses people like you and I to share our testimonies and to tell people about the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. As soon as we do that, friends, I'm gonna tell you something, there's already a victory in the spiritual realm where we are, when we are ready and willing to testify. From blind to seeing, but most important to believing. That's the real miracle, isn't it? It wasn't just the sight, it was the believing. Now, I would suggest that the odds are very good that if you were a Christ follower, you could reduce your testimony to about 10 words. I was, fill in your blank, but now I am, Fill in your blank. I was lost, but now I am found. I was bound, but now I am set free. Can anyone come up with any other ones? I was, but now I... I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's a great one. Yeah. Any others? I was despised, but now I am loved. Oh, you see how this works? It's wonderful. Let me give you another one. I was a prisoner but now I'm a pastor. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. I was a convicted felon, but now I am a forgiven friend. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to encourage you. I really want to encourage you very much in this. God changes us so we can testify about Him. So you need to be prepared to testify about Him. So I'm going to encourage you to, to spend a few minutes making a te, uh, putting your testimony together so you could share in two minutes or less your testimony. And you say, Cliff, why, why two minutes or less? A couple of reasons. One, I would ask this question to start with. Um, how many times have you shared your testimony in the last year? You don't have to answer out loud. But maybe if you haven't shared it in the last year, uh, it's because nobody wants to listen to you for an hour. Start with two minutes. If you can give your testimony in two minutes, you know what will happen is, or ten words, people will start to ask questions just like they did of the blind guy. And then you can go ahead and talk with them as long as the questions keep coming. You see how that is? But I want you to learn your testimony in those two minutes and, and you can be able to share them so that doing that becomes part of a lifestyle. Remember, this is one of the ways that we do battle in the spiritual realm It's by giving our testimony. After you put yours together, then find someone that you know, that you love, that loves you, that that can uh, be kind and gentle to you, but honest with you. And you can say, can I give you my two minute testimony? And then they'll say, sure. And then you then you allow them to give input. And by the way, if they do that for you and you're doing it for somebody else else, be gentle, but be honest, right? Because we want to be able to do that in a way that's compelling in a way that's clear in a way that is truthful. So I want you to look, look for ways for your testimony to be part of your lifestyle. That means you're looking for opportunities to be able to do that, to give it on an ongoing basis. It needs, it it also means this, you need to be alert and praying, for those opportunities. Lord, would you bring me the chance to do this? Would you bring me the chance to be able to share it with somebody? And when you start praying that way, two things happen. One, the Holy Spirit starts going to work and he starts bringing people into your life. He starts moving the circumstances around you. And then the second thing is you become more aware of when the opportunity is and the ability to be able to do that. And then when you do, remember this, you're not responsible for the results. Did you hear that? You are not responsible for the results. This is a case where you can be good about, you can be happy about not being responsible. You can turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm not responsible. Sometimes that doesn't work, but you know, never worked for me as a kid when I tried that, but you aren't responsible. What we're responsible for is sharing. We are responsible for that because God changes us. So we can testify for him. And then when you're done doing that, regardless of what the response is, that the, Our response is, thank you, Lord, that you gave me the opportunity to do that. Thank you that you allowed me to be able to share that. Now you might be wondering how in the world am I gonna get from here to there, Cliff? Well, I tell you what, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples. And so uh, last week, I grabbed, or a few weeks ago, I grabbed two guys and said, uh, you got two minutes or less, so you can put your clock on. These guys are gonna share their testimonies in just right now to give you an idea of how that works. I'm gonna ask Alex and Dino to come on up here right now. Yeah, you can put your hands together for them. I love these guys. Aren't they great? Aren't they great? Yeah. The lights. The lights. I know yeah. it. I know. They have
1: to be on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. They have to see your beautiful face. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to ask Alex if you'd go first. Sure. Would yep. you do that?
2: Could I borrow a stand from you just so I can have a. Yes.
0: Few, yes. A few Cliffs notes. Get it. Of course.
2: Somebody has Cliff? to. No.
0: <laughs> Come
2: on. I had to throw one really terrible.
0: Joke I love in. it. I love it. All right.
2: Um, Well, my name's Alex and I am a recovering drug addict. In 12-step recovery, the word surrender comes up a lot and we're taught uh, to come to understand that when we've reached our rock bottom, we're left with no choice but to surrender and admit we're powerless. uh, Powerless over our addiction and surrender to a higher power of our own understanding, AKA God. In February 2017, my rock bottom had arrived Uh, I'd been using in secret for years and spinning a web of lies and manipulation and toxicity with everyone I loved and cared for, everyone. But in February 2017, my wife had discovered the evidence of my using and confronted me with it. And in that moment, I did what many addicts do when confronted with the truth of their addiction, I ran. I ran out the door, I got in my car and sped off as fast as I could. And as I was speeding away, my mind was racing and grasping at anything and everything that I could possibly do to get out of this. I thought maybe I'll drive to Canada. I thought maybe I'd just speed up and drive my car head on into a wall at 120 miles an hour. Those were real thoughts that I had. And as I was contemplating everything and anything that I could do to avoid the truth and to avoid surrender, uh, it was dark out and I, and I wasn't sure where I was. And, and as I was turning and frantically driving down every road and every street through a labyrinth, and a maze of the suburbs, uh, all the streetlights began to disappear and I, I realized all I could see were the headlights of my car. And I remember thinking at that moment how utterly and completely alone I felt. And a thought finally occurred to me that hadn't occurred to me before. I needed help. And once I admitted that, I realized my only option was to pray and so I prayed to God for help. And this prayer was my surrender, and it was then that I decided I really need to pull over. <laughs> I turned down a street at the end of the st- at the end of a block, and, and there was a lone streetlight. I remember it uh, vividly. There was a lone streetlight at the end of the block, and so I pulled into the parking lot there, and I began to sob, like I hadn't cr- I hadn't cried or sobbed since I was a little boy. And as my emotions began to subside, and I started to collect myself, I wiped my nose and my face, and. And for the first moment, I looked up to view where I was. I was staring at at the front doors of a church. God had literally led me to the front door of salvation. Next month, I'm going to celebrate two years clean and sober. And I owe that first and foremost to God because Since then, my prayers have been like conversations, and I like to talk to Jesus Christ often, every day. And I pray for the things that I feel like matter in my life, but ultimately I pray for his will. And today I have true faith that his will for me is what will be done in my life, and that's what he wants for me. And that's true freedom. My surrender to my addiction to God led me to the freedom to be who he always Meant me to be, which is a blessed and grateful child of God.
0: Amen. Amen. So I, I was an addict, and I am a blessed and grateful child of God. Amen. Amen. That's awesome, Alex. Dino.
1: <clears throat> so I'm a recovering addict. My name is Dino, and so I get. Uh, <laughs> So I am not a speaker at all. So forgive me. I will fumble. Um, I did, these lights are blinding me. I can't even look out at the eyes of the audience. How do you just do it? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Denise, for helping me gather the speech. But it goes on beyond my speech. Uh, so it's, I'm doing everything to hold back the tears because it's just it's a miracle. You know, miracles do happen still today. And I'm standing here in proof. Uh, So when I was a baby, you know, it's just, it's, it goes way beyond addiction. It goes beyond, it's just a sinful, I knew nothing but sin. Nothing but sin. Parents dropped me sin. I lived in sin. And uh, so Cliff asked me to to share, and I didn't know what to share. There's so much to share, so much to share. And so I just, I'm sharing God's will. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm uh, doing everything to, to remember that it's not about me, it's about Him, the miracles that He still does today and out here. You know, as Cliff was saying at church, and I love you so much. And so, if there's any non believers out there, it's okay. It's okay not to believe, just ask the questions. You know, because I, well, there was a time I didn't believe, and uh, I had to come to that collu- conclusion that I didn't believe in order to change, to believe, and today I believe with all my heart. You know, I wanted to share my, uh, there's, like I said, so much to share, but two minutes is like, when you first no, asked
0: there's me. Only, there's only 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, really.
1: Stay real yeah, quick. Yeah, really. Yeah. So I'm so grateful right. to have a church. Uh, to have a, a people that care. You know, it's uh, just something much more bigger than I to be a part of and share the word and share the love of God that He offers today, a living God inside of me, inside of all of you, if you believe. So that two minutes was quick. I didn't know I was. Thank you for, and uh, uh, seven years of no alcohol, no meth, nothing.
0: It's a miracle. Hallelujah. It's, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Put that down here. 100%. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you so much that we can say I was an addict. I was blind. I was lost. I was living in sin. But now, but now I'm a child of God's. But now I have a new identity. But now I am saved by grace. But now I get to testify for him. Lord, I just thank you so much for Alex and Dino and their heart and their willingness to to, uh, stretch themselves, to be where you've called them to be, to be able to testify for you. Pray a blessing on them and their families. I pray a blessing, Lord, uh, as they go from here. And as we consider the testimonies that you've given us, that we would speak them boldly in ways that would uh, give you great glory. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and um, while they come up, I'm going to, we're going to uh, continue to worship the Lord. And um, as we do, I'd appreciate it. If you would stand, I'm going to give you a blessing. If you need, uh, if you are in a place where you're going, man, I'm not sure you've kind of got to me with some different stuff. um, After the service, we'll have people up here off to my, my right, your left. Uh, to pray with you. If you would like prayer, just come on up there after the service is over. And let me give you his blessing then we'll continue to worship. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength so that you can testify to his goodness in your life. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen, amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.